0: Let's pray. Father, help us now as we open up uh, this letter to the Philippians once again to be shaped by it, and especially that our minds might be shaped by it. The way we approach life might be shaped by what we read here today. Amen. Well, this is a sermon today about the Christian mindset. Mindset is a powerful thing. Your mindset is the way your mind is set. Uh, The assumptions and the attitudes that it operates by, the rails it runs along, the goals it pursues, the things it values, the models it imitates. And I might have a kind of self-service mindset, a mindset that looks largely to my own interests, How high can I go? How happy can I be? How much freedom can I enjoy? How far can I take my ideas and my desires? How much can I grow so as to fulfil my potential? A mindset like this might be very respectable. In many ways, our culture has heroes who seem to pursue that mindset, whose ambition is to realise their dreams. And a mindset like this can take you far. If you do believe in your own potential for growth and for success, and if you do pursue the fulfilment of your dreams with grit and tenacity, then you can dazzle the world sometimes. But this mindset is not the Christian mindset. Today, I want to ask, what is the Christian mindset? And where will it take you? And I want to look at that reading from Philippians as we do that. There are three elements of, that, of the Christian mindset that I think we do find in our New Testament reading from Philippians. They are humility, the interests of others, and an ethic of service. We're in this section of Philippians where Paul is setting out the pattern of life that he wants for the Philippian Christians, the one he wants them to to value and honour and pursue. Beginning in chapter 1, verse 27, he says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And our passage today, chapter 2, 1 to 11, continues to fill out what conduct worthy of the gospel of Christ is. Chapter 2, 1-4 to four, is a plea from Paul. Make my joy complete. Paul, if you've been with us for the last few weeks, you'll know that he's already re- given reasons for rejoicing, that he does have joy despite him being um, confined to jail and facing an uncertain future. In 1.18, chapter 1, verse 18, he says, the good news is advancing even while he's in jail. Christ is preached, he says, And because of this, I rejoice. In one nineteen, he says, whatever happens to him, he also rejoices because he knows he'll be helped by others' prayers and by the spirit of Jesus to glorify God and and to receive salvation. And so he says, I'll continue to rejoice for I know that what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. And now he wants the Philippians to give him a third reason to rejoice. Chapter 2, verses 2 and 3 Make my joy complete by being like minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. This is the gift that he's hoping to receive from the Philippians, the news that they share together in a common mindset, a common attitude. And the mindset that he wants them to share in features a humble concern for the interests of others. So, verses 3 and 4 do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Don't ask, will this help me to get ahead? Don't ask, does this make me look good? Don't ask, is this beneath my dignity? Rather, says Paul, in humility, value others above yourselves. Pride says, I am more important than those people. My business is more important than their business, it has priority. My ideas deserve more attention because, frankly, they're better. Because I am more important than those people. That's pride. But humility says, I'm not more important than those people. And their interests have a real and compelling call upon my attention. Value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. This humble concern with the interests of others produces an ethic of service. The Christian mindset points us to act in mutual service, to serve one another in love. As we read in many other places in the New Testament, here's one, Galatians 5.13. Do not use your freedom, Christian, to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. Paul in Philippians goes on in the next little bit to set out Jesus, Jesus Christ as the great source of that ethic and the great model for it in the verses 5 to 11. And this passage shows us Christ's mindset and it shows us where it took him. So let's think about where will the Christian mindset take you? Let's begin by looking at where it took Jesus himself. Verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Jesus emptied himself. He poured himself out. He made himself nothing. It wasn't about him. It was about others. It was about us, in fact. His priority wasn't to enjoy for himself the blessedness of divine life. As if being God meant self-contemplation, self-satisfaction, self-fulfillment, self-enjoyment. Christ used his divinity to serve his father and his wayward creatures. Verses 7 to 8, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. There we see humility. There we see the interests of others put first. There we see service. Service to the point of giving up his life in a shameful and painful death. And this obedience to death on a cross was not merely an example of a willingness to suffer humiliation and death. It was that. But it was not just an example. It was a productive purposeful, successful achievement. Jesus' death did something. It was for something. It was not a gesture. It was a, lo- a game-changing accomplishment. And each Sunday when we have communion, we have a, a, a few Bible verses for preparation for the Lord's Supper, and I try to pick verses that point to the achievement of of Jesus death. And so the first one on that list is from 1 Peter 2:24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that free from sins we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For our sins, they don't just float away and dissolve. All the ways we fall short of who we could be and who we should be, Endure, these things endure until they are dealt with one way or another. Until they're dealt with, they drag us down to death, to hell. Those malicious thoughts, those lying words, those selfish ambitions, that proud and quick anger, that unkindness or laziness or the manipulation of others we do without even seeing it almost. God's judgment on this needs to be met. Our natures need to be forgiven. They need to be cleansed and healed and renewed. And Jesus didn't have to come to our aid in this, but he did. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. That's where our sin was dealt with. God the Son met And dealt with the judgment of God for us. He met and dealt with his own judgment upon us, his wayward creatures. By his wounds, you have been healed. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, says the hymn, praise my soul, the king of heaven. If Christ's mindset took him to death on a cross in service of us who are unworthy sinners, where will this mindset take you and I? You and I might ask, who can I pour myself out for? Perhaps it's easiest to think about doing this for our families and seeing it's Father's Day. Let's acknowledge that many fathers empty themselves for their families. They work to provide where they can. They seek to be an anchor for family life, a rock that stands firm. They encourage children. They listen to them. They tick off lists. They taxi people around. They neglect their hobbies and interests. They abandon their old dreams. They say no to opportunities in order to see their families flourish. Happy Father's Day, Dads. But the mark of the Christian mindset is its wide concern. Christ poured himself out even for those who crucified and denied him, who persecuted him. And if we have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, our willingness to serve the interests of others will reach beyond the smaller circles of family and friends. It will reach, at least to our fellow Christians, who may be quite different from us, who may be quite hard to serve. But Paul's plea is precisely that those in the Philippian churches would value one another above themselves, each looking to the interests of the other. And so you can look around the room and consider, who can I come alongside in a way that serves their interests? How can my strengths be used to do good for others as it is best for them? This isn't a permission to impose your help on others. People can help in ways that are a burden to those who are being helped. When you offer help, think about it and offer true help and offer it wisely. But I should say people here are indeed pouring themselves out for one another, humbly serving the life of our church and everyone here at some cost of their time, their patience, their energy, their care. People are not standing on their dignity, they are joining in, they are taking direction, they are getting their hands dirty and getting on board and There's not an obvious reward in committing to a rostered task where you have to turn up and do it, even if you don't feel like it on the day. There's not an obvious reward in committing to a ministry team, to a church council subcommittee. But that does not mean there's no reward in these things, in this service. Even as Jesus humbled himself and walked his road to death on the cross, he had joy. There's a couple of moments where that leaks through. Luke 10.21, Jesus welcomes his disciples back from their mission and Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father. There was great joy in what Jesus was doing in his humbling and service. John 4.32, after he speaks to the Samaritan woman at the well, he says to his disciples, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Hebrews 12:2 For the joy set before him Christ endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God This secret joy is the joy of pleasing God The joy of serving the God of righteousness and love and grace and holiness The God who exalts those who humbly serve others And if Christ had joy in his Father, his Father had joy in him. And God's joy in Christ is seen in verses 9 to 11 of our passage. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess or acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, God will not give you and I the name that is above every name. That name is given to Jesus. And our place is to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. But there is an exaltation for us too. The resurrection. The resurrection to eternal life. 1 Corinthians 15.52, the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable. And we will be changed. We will enter glory. We will have our heads lifted up. We will be exalted in our own way. Whose pattern of life shapes your mindset? There are many people you might take as an example and a model. If it's Elon Musk or Steve Jobs... If it's Michelle Obama or Angela Merkel, whoever you model yourself on and think that's the way I want to be, that mindset is a powerful thing and it will shape your life. Let your hero of heroes be Jesus Christ and measure all your other heroes against him. Make his mindset your master mindset that you seek to shape your relationships by. Those elements of humility, the interests of others, an ethic of service, and a delight in serving God. Let's pray. Father, we pray that we could develop and live by the same mindset as Christ Jesus. The one who did not use what he had to his own advantage, but took on the nature of a servant and humbled himself and did so great a thing for us as to die for our sins. And so we pray that we would be those who are ready to be humble, are ready to look to the interests of others, even above our own, are ready to serve one another in love and delight in all this to serve you. We thank you today for fathers and the way that they have looked to our interests and given themselves to serve our good. And those of us who are fathers, we pray that we could take Christ as our hero of heroes and live the way he lived, not only for our children, but for all around us. And so we pray, Lord, that we would come at last to the exaltation that you have for all that humble themselves, that we would enter your kingdom, that we would share in Christ's glory, that we would come to the resurrection of the dead. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.